The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's eight minutes after eight and time for the Forum at Eight. Now, government has agreed to a 10% tariff increase to protect the steel industry from cheap Asian imports and save thousands of jobs in the process. The agreement was clinched on Friday following a meeting between economic cluster ministers, the industry, as well as sector unions such as NUMSA. Um, Solidarity was also part of that, as was UASA. However, the state's concession comes with the condition that the industry does not raise steel prices to unaffordable levels. This report by Frank Numalo. Government is committed to signing off the first application for the tariff increase next week. Conditions are still being worked out, but include a demand that the industry does not raise prices to levels that are not affordable. Paul Oflaherty is the chief executive of AsloMetal, the country's biggest steel maker. There is commitment from government to apply the bound rates on primary steel. What does that mean? That means that there are rates agreed with the World Trade Organization for all the categories of steel that are produced in South Africa at a primary level and to move the rates from 0% to 10%, as is allowed in terms of the World Trade Organization. But in order for them to get there, you need to follow the process. So the commitment is 100% there to do that. However, the deal does not extend to scrapping Section 189 notices that are saved to labor when companies intend to retrench workers. This means that thousands of workers across the steel industry still face retrenchments. Ivan Jim is the General Secretary of NUMSA. There is no consensus between us and employers that they will stop retrenchment because we went together to Pretoria. That isn't the theater of engagement that is, is taking place with each and every company that have served us with Section 189. But I think everybody, both social partners, understand that something has to be done very quick to turn around the, 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 the negative picture. At the meeting, government also committed itself to designating certain minerals as strategic as a measure of supporting the local industry. To this end, the Director General of Trade and Industry and Economic Development will join an industry task team to find ways of getting parastatal to buy steel from local producers. Olfla Haiti explains. There are minerals that are strategic to this industry, coal, iron ore. How do we make sure that as a country we use those metals and those inputs appropriately so that the strategic steel industry can have an appropriate price? And, the, and that is what needs to be looked at with government. How do you make these industries more strategic in nature? NUMSA says government must take back ArcelorMittal, formerly known as ISCO, as one of the most effective ways of protecting the local steel industry. Government sold ISCO to Indian billionaire Lakshmi Metal in the late 1990s in a move that was bitterly opposed by NUMSA and Solidarity. Jim explains NUMSA's position. I must not be beating about the bush. We think that we want ISCO back. There's no two ways about it. Of course, they own it, they control it. Government would have to find a way of getting it back to be a strategic asset for the country to champion manufacturing and industrialization. Our take is that if government were to own and control it, it will not need me marching to Pretoria. Government itself, it would have to protect what belongs to the nation. It means they will increase tariffs, they will protect, they will do everything else to make sure that they are, what belongs to the economy is protected. Labor says while it is working together with the employers to solve the industry from total collapse, no worker deserves to be retrenched in an atmosphere of poverty, unemployment and inequality.
And that report by Frank Ngumalo setting the background for us there. And with that in mind, we asked the question, will the increase in import tariffs on steel save jobs in the steel industry? And joining us for the discussion this morning, Mr. Mweleti Mbeki, who is a political economist and deputy chairman of the South African Institute of International Affairs. Good morning and thank you for your time. Morning, Sakina. Uh, absolute pleasure to have you, as well as Mr. Hank Langenhoven, who is a Chief Economist at the Steel and Engineering Industries Federation of South Africa, SIFSA. Good morning and thanks for your time as well. Morning, ma'am. Now, Mr. Mbeki, let me start with you and let's just get straight into it because you need to leave us shortly. Um, you know, will the increase in import tariffs um, actually save jobs in our steel industry? Well, Sakina, you have to put everything in the context of time. Will it save jobs tomorrow? Will it save jobs five years from now? Will it save jobs 20 years from now? These are all the issues that, that, that uh, ha- have to be answered. That's point number one. Personally, I don't think so. I think that the South African steel industry uh, is very inefficient. Uh, we have all the raw materials in South Africa, uh, especially the iron ore, but we are unable to compete with China, which has to import iron ore from South Africa and from Australia and from Brazil. So they have to ship the raw material from all over the world, but they still beat uh, the, 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 the South African steel producers in terms of price so that these steel producers need protection. So what that is telling you is that the economics uh, are not working, uh, and that the, the, the steel industry in South Africa is, uh, is not efficient and it's just sending out the, uh, the price uh, of steel to downstream manufacturers, which means the products of downstream manufacturers are not competitive. So we're in a vicious circle here. There, there, are, there are short-term savings, I'm sure, that will be made to some jobs. But ArcelorMittal has been losing jobs left, right, and center since it came to South Africa. And I, if we have a minute, I will tell you my own experience of my company, uh, how it has been abused by ArcelorMittal. We'll come to that in just a moment. Let's uh, get a response from Hank Langenwerfen about whether this uh, measure will actually save jobs in the steel industry. Sakina, I agree with the time perspective that Mr. Mbeki has talked about. In the short term, uh, it's not going to do much. It is in, it is going in the right direction. I just want to say something about the competitiveness. Um, if, if we assume that that is the case, then we must say that the Americans and the Europeans and the Indians are also not competitive. All of them are putting trade barriers up against China, and recently much more so. There's a strong, strong... A pattern worldwide. I've seen a study recently from the OECD where they're monitoring this because they're very concerned about it. Um, and uh, so there, there must be something else. And, and, and that something else is huge surplus capacity worldwide, but uh, specifically in China. And um, very old and paid off plants producing uh, uh, steel and put it on the world market, which they can't absorb themselves at prices that are simply not making economic sense. So I disagree with the fact that we are not competitive. The, the, uh, there may be a, a case uh, to be made for uh, the fact that we have not been able to invest as much as we should in, in the latest 
capacity and technology, although there has been uh, leaps and bounds in, in that sense as well. Um, in, in some instances, but it's it's and if I can add the downstream uh, sector, the the value adding sector, and that is really the companies that we that has made this news conference yesterday are really the basic ferrets. So the guys that take the iron ore and then make uh, long products and slabs of steel out of that. The rest of the of the sector are even under more threat from uh, from imports from outside and. Um, it, 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 it is a vicious cycle. There, there, I agree. But one in the final analysis has to ask, do we need this sector in South Africa? And I can't think that the answer could be anything. But yes, it's a case of understanding what to do to, to make it actually survive mm. this, 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 this slump. So if companies then prefer to import steel from China, um, what does that say about South Africa's steel prices? Are they competitive? There might have been a case that they were not competitive, but my 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 argument is that uh, the cost of production is one side of the competitiveness. The support that's been given for products coming in at below the the material content of what we have in South Africa just cannot be a, ma- a measure for whether we are competitive or not. Mr. Mbeki, um, you know, um, there are charges that South African ports, um, you know, uh, are seeing these Chinese imports coming in at uh, as much as 25% below what uh, the local production costs are. So what's your take on that? Well, well I would like to see the, the, the arithmetic that, uh, that Hank is talking about, uh, which is, and uh, that those ports are saying that uh, China is uh, 25% below uh, below cost cost of production. That's point number one. Point number two, it, it's not only China that is selling steel to South Africa. ArcelorMittal, which is a big multinational, uh, Hank in, he, in opening up said that there are com- many countries that are complaining about China uh, in Europe, in North America, but does he know whether this is not ArcelorMittal? Because ArcelorMittal operates in many countries from the United States to Ukraine, uh, to Belgium, to France. So it could be this one company in all those countries that's operating in setting up uh, this protectionist system for uh, okay. itself. Let me get Hank to respond to that point. Uh, do you know, Hank? <clears throat> the answer is no. Oslo is one of the biggest companies uh, producers in the world. But the answer is no. I've, I've been privileged to, to be part of some of the discussions at the OECD Steel Committee, and, um, and it's all over. It's, it's, uh, the, they're not strong in America. They, they are uh, strong in Europe and wanted to close down some of the, some of the facilities there and, and were asked not to. So um, it has been a, there's been a very good study out recently from, from the OECD where it's almost worldwide. So I can't, uh, I mean, there's no, <laughs> ArcelorMittal is one of our members, so you could say that I can't say that they, it's not them. But the, the, the studies internationally from uh, companies like McKinsey's uh, are showing the opposite. Uh, Sakina, I think w- one of the points that shouldn't be forgotten in this discussion is what has ArcelorMittal been doing since they took over ESCO in South Africa? Uh, one of the things that they have been doing is they have been closing uh, product lines so much so that we then have had to import 
my own company had to import bulletproof steel, which used to be made in South Africa before Aslamatol took over ISCO. We now had to import the, the steel product from Sweden. So it's not just China that's selling steel to, to South Africa. There are many other countries that are selling steel to, to, to South Africa. And Metal is one of the culprits by uh, closing down lines that were in production in South Africa. When I raised this with Metal, they told me they are a multinational, they operate on profit, they are not here to subsidize South Africa. Now they are asking South Africa to subsidize them. Well, we have to take a break. When we come back, we continue the conversation. A reminder of our question this morning. We ask, will the increase in import tariffs on Chinese steel or Asian steel or steel from elsewhere in the world, for that matter, actually go a long way to saving jobs in our local steel industry? The lines are open 891 You can SMS us on the number 34701. And remember, those uh, SMSs are at a cost of one rand per SMS and uh, free SMS. SMSs do not apply. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Our question on the Forum at 8 this morning, will the increase in import tariffs on uh, steel actually save jobs in the steel industry? And uh, we're in conversation this morning with Henk Langenwerfen from SIFSA and Mr. Mueleti Mbeki, a political economist and deputy chairman of the South African Institute of International Affairs. So um, the question here on uh, my Twitter timeline, and I want to try and get as many of these in because Mr. Mbeki unfortunately has to leave early, uh, from Dario Mac- Casey, who says uh, people research, should research the Chinese economy. They subsidize manufacturing and control their currency, the yuan. And um, Mr. Mbeki, if I could just put that to you, if we look at you know uh, what China actually does, is it fair competition considering that uh, China's steel industry is supported uh, by preferential, preferential lending from uh, these state-owned banks and you know uh, so many other measures that are built in to actually support them? Should our government not be doing the same here? Well, well, nobody is stopping the South African government from doing the same. You know, we we have a, a thing in South Africa where we think China runs this demonic kind of economic system, is run by the devils. China has a very modern manufacturing sector. Sakina, I have been to a Chinese steel mill. The Germans, who are the world leaders in steel, are buying cast iron technology from the Chinese, which the Chinese have developed themselves. So, and if you look at clothing, for example, the Chinese, uh, my father visited a clothing factory in China a, a few years ago. He said, effect, there's so much automation, a factory that was the size of a football field only had 14 people working in that factory. So there's lots of, 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 uh, of myths in South Africa about what goes on in China. The modern parts of the Chinese economy, which are the parts that are the exporting parts, are hugely advanced. They are very modern. They are not like what you see in South Africa here. If you go to a shoe factory in South Africa, you you find archaic equipment that is 30, 40 years old. Well, you never find that in China.
Mm. And uh, Mr. Langenhofen, how do you think, uh, do you feel that government is sufficiently supporting the steel industry in South Africa, or would you like to see more? Would your members like to see more? I think the short answer is is, is uh, we would like to see more support. Um, uh, we must remember, <laughs> Mr. Becky said about the, 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 the context right at your first question, um, we must remember that that uh, the adjustments that have happened since since democracy in ninety four in terms of uh, protection and the way we support industrial development uh, have changed completely we we and, and and many people forget this we we had double glazing protection we had sanctions against us and we have tariffs tariffs tariff protection and inward industrialization was the uh, was the way the manufacturing sector developed in 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 the 70s and, and early 80s that of course sanctions were dropped and uh, simultaneously after i think about 90 between 94 and 96 tariff uh, protection has been has been dropped uh, dramatically and what we really see is is still the the shock waves of that now the uh, financial crisis in 2007 didn't help at all and, and Mr. Mbeki said, what did OsloMittal do? They actually made quite good profits in 2007 when they took over uh, ESCOR. That has disappeared in the meantime, and it correlates with um, what has happened in the sector. If you look at profit margins overall from that period, um, we have been on a hiding to nothing, and, and the bigger companies in the, in, the, in the basic fairs, which I want to stress again, uh, these uh, big companies, Metal, Score, Capegate—they are all in the in in the front end of the pipeline. Uh, their their ability to survive has almost disappeared because of the profit, uh, the drops in in, the, in in profit margins, both because of domestic demand uh, declining quite substantially, and international demand uh, uh, almost falling away. You must remember, we export the domestic market is only 50% of our of our client base internationally uh, and exports are contributing another 50%. So overall there's been this slowdown in uh, in activity and and yes there there has been here and there not enough investment um the the fact of the matter is the Chinese economy in terms of the steel and steel products manufacturing uh, have captured the production capacity uh, relative to the world is about two thirds. Uh, in the in the order of one billion mm. uh, tons versus the rest is, is about five hundred or six hundred uh, million tons, and we this little tiny island here that are buying little bits and pieces from them, but it's so large that it can destroy whatever we have here. The final question actually is: if you can't say that that uh, that that we are not modern enough, is this, where do you go? Do you leave this thing and and let the industry wither completely? That is the question, uh, Mr. Yeah. Becky. No, no, I don't think we should we should do that. But we we have to realize that we we can produce special types of steel, and we should be operating in the world market. And when you have a company like ArcelorMittal, we, which will not allow South Africa to export because it sees South Africa as competing against its other companies whether it's in Belgium or in America or in Ukraine. So it blocks South Africa from being able to export. That's what AsloMetal's control of our steel industry does. It means we cannot export because AsloMetal says you are competing against my factories in England or, 
or here, there, and everywhere. There for you. Now, if you cannot export, and Hank will agree with me, if you cannot export, then you cannot be a major player in the world market, even if you produce one product. Mm. So do you think that, you know, government subsidies would be the way to go? And can government afford to subsidize the steel industry, Mr. Mbeki? The, the government can subsidize the steel industry until the cows come home. But if we are going to be producing minuscule quantities of any particular steel product, you will never be economically viable. You have to have economies of scale. And to achieve those economies of scale, you have to export. But our industry controlled by foreigners like Aslometal and Azraf, they will not allow you to export to their own market. Well, Mr. Mbeki, thank you so much for your time this morning. Unfortunately, he has to leave us. We'll continue with Hank Langenwerfen after the news break. Right now, 8.30, and let's get the latest with Kumbuzile Tabete. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. So this morning on the Forum at 8, we are asking, will the increase in import tariffs on Chinese steel save jobs in the steel industry? And um, we spoke to uh, Mr. Mueletsi Mbeki earlier, who unfortunately had to leave. But to Hank Langenwerfen, uh, Chief Economist at uh, CIFSA, still with us. Uh, Hank, now uh, I didn't give you a chance to respond to Mr. Mbeki's parting remarks there, saying that, you know, yes, uh, as you yourself pointed out, China has two-thirds of the world's steel producing capacity and South Africa not making the most of what we have here. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to come back to this thing about scale. And, and scale and specialization are basically two sides of the same coin. Um, and what uh, Mr. Beck has been saying about uh, armored steel, I can use another example, which is the rails. Uh, South Africa is not producing rail anymore because we have too small a market. It's imported from outside. And I can tell you uh, several other examples of what's happening. So, He's right, but the way he's applied it, I don't think is 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 working for us. If you if you just think about exports, and the facts are that it is really only the basic ferrous, which is iron and steel, basic non-ferrous, which is copper and uh, aluminium primarily and zinc, and uh, basic uh, metal products that are having surpluses on the on on uh, on the international. So we we export more than what we're importing. Um, so that is also saying, I mean, it's, 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 it's unthinkable to think that ArcelorMittal are controlling exports. It is just not the case. Um, metal products, machinery, non, non-electrical machinery and, and electrical machinery are growing as exports. But uh, like I said earlier, there are even more support for that sort of pro- those sort of more specialized products uh, in the international market than for the, the basic ton of steel that you're trying to export. Um, so it is, a, it, is, it, is, it is not as simple as, as one company controlling the, the overall situation. Your question is, will, will it save the, the sector? I must say we have to understand that, that uh, what has happened in the market is determining whether companies can survive or not, and market demand has simply not been there. Uh, I made the statement that we're still below the or 25% below the production levels that we were in 2007, which incidentally was actually not a bad level um, after the, uh, or before the financial crisis that uh, that happened. But if you look at, at capacity utilization, which is another indicator of whether you need to invest more 
because it tells you that you you either using all your machinery uh, optimally or not. Um, that has been the last time it's been over the 85 percent level, which is in the benchmark. If you're running at 85 percent, you're running really at full capacity. That was the last time that happened was also in 2007. The industry, mostly different components are slightly different levels, but we're running at 73, 72, 75% capacity, telling you that there are machines and people here and they're standing idle because we just don't have enough demand. Mm -hmm. Yep. Let me read a tweet here from uh, Bataung Bataung. It says, uh, the chickens have come home to roost. Uh, uh, the uh, sharks have warned us, winter's coming, and now you get to taste the snowflakes. And if one were to push that a little further, uh, you know, uh, uh, one would say it wasn't that long ago um, when local steel producers were shoving up the prices. So, you know, why should government enter the fray now to come to the rescue of our local uh, steel producers? You're right, but secondly, uh, we must say as well that the prices have been coming down as well. So uh, no company will will price himself out of out of the market, and uh, and the the international prices that are coming down as uh, have had a big impact on that because we are importing from all over. There, Mr. Beck is right. Uh, so it has happened, and um, the the. The the, uh, the the big bugbear, which I, I'm surprised nobody brought up, is the import parity pricing. That the companies are also willing to let go. The, the irony is that at the moment, the import parity price is, is actually below our cost. So um, there has been not uh, uh, the market market control is simply not that strong. People think that you have these monsters sitting in South Africa. It is simply not that strong that it can control the prices overall. Um, okay. So. Let's open the lines and take uh, our uh, listeners, uh, their questions, their comments on this matter this morning. We are asking, will the increase in import tariffs on uh, steel save jobs in our local steel industry? Jackie in Durban, thanks for your patience. Hi, uh, it's a long time. Yes, Jackie. Yeah, no, thanks. I think uh, it's a very important discussion uh, on the radio and I want in the main to uh, strongly echo the sentiments uh, shared by uh, Mr. Mbeki uh, to say that, I mean, uh, the South African uh, economy, in fact, in the history of industrial uh, expansion, even if you go back as far back as the Industrial Revolution in Britain and other European countries, uh, Sakina, strategic assets have all, and, 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 and industries, always been protected by the government of the day uh, to localize jobs, but to also to be able to, you know, to, to process and, and, and to be able to create uh, uh, finished goods. It's a lot of strange case in South Africa that uh, we know that uh, based on, 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 the, on, on the resources mix, the resources that we have beneath our soil, the steel as part of uh, the mining sector, and the mining sector is a sector that is a very strategic sector that can be used to push forward the industrial expansion of South Africa. And this used to be the case, by the way, Sakina, uh, before 94. Uh, I've forgotten the other gentleman's name, but he, t- he touches on it that when he speaks about uh, inward uh, industrialization and uh, those uh, 
sectors been strongly uh, protected. In fact, the ANC inherited a partially industrializing country in the mid-90s. But uh, for whatever strange reason, they decided to uh, abandon that project of pushing that industrial expansion program to its logical conclusion, and they decided to go uh, with, uh, you know, uh, uh, what the World Bank and the people like IMF were saying. So, and that deindustrialization uh, 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 project that has been happening, if you look at manufacturing and its contribution towards the GDP in the mid-90s, and how it has been shrinking, that the South African economy is now a Basically, a consumer economy, it's an economy based on consumption and just services. And as uh, manufacturing, as uh, uh, its proportion towards the GDP decreases, obviously it's going to be hard uh, to maintain jobs. I, I, I mm. don't know. I mean, to, so this speaks to a broader macroeconomic uh, strategy crisis in, in the ANC, from GIA to ASKISA to NDP, the fundamentals are the same, that not much is happening inside the country. Uh, the government policy is more, economic policy is more geared towards finding foreigners to come and invest, and those foreigners do not have, in the main, the interests of, 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 of South Africa in terms of job creation, in terms of uh, sustainable, decent jobs. I mean, uh, it is right to say that uh, Asolo is just here to make a profit, so they are not going to uh, allow, you know, uh, uh, to, to produce and, and the product lines to increase here in South Africa if it can happen more profitably elsewhere. And okay. this is now called for government to take a decisive position to say, we are going to go, I'm, I'm with Numsa on this one, ESCO must come back, Asalomitari is not serving the interests of the country, they are just here to milk the country of its uh, wealth. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jackie and Durban. Let's go to Eunice in Johannesburg. Good morning, Eunice. Hi, Sakina. Sakina, I think your guest touched on one issue there, the import parity pricing, and I think that needs to be examined. Now, you know, when, when ISCO was a parastatal and Trevor Manuel was a trade and industry minister, he asked for an inquiry to be open on this issue. And the moment he asked for it to be open, it was closed. Now, you had at that stage Max Steel that was exporting South African steel at a lower price overseas than what local industry could buy it from ISCO. Now, ISCO is now being sold to Mittal Steel, and the same issue persists. So where do local industry fit in? They want to buy, when I say local industry, the actual factories that create jobs. They want to buy steel at a price locally that overseas guys buy it at the same price overseas. Now, I'll give you a case in point here. Take KDAC South Africa. Here was a company that, I mean, it was a born and bred South African company. The directors of KDAC went to the government and explained the same thing. They employed 300 people here. They told the government, get us, get, let us buy the steel at the same price as what's being, so it's being sold overseas. Government said no. KDAC registered the name in South Africa closed up the entire plant here. They are now manufacturing it in China and bringing in the finished product to be sold right throughout South Africa. Is that job creation? We've lost 300 jobs. So until and unless government comes to the party, the 10% is one issue. But why should local industry that actually manufacture the finished product, I'm saying, whether it's pots or whatever, buy it at the same price as uh, what uh, Mittal Steel is charging overseas? And that is the real issue here. 
All right. I'd uh, like th- your guest to answer that. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Eunice. Um, uh, Mr. Langenhofen, um, we can start with Eunice's question about import uh, parity. And Max Naidu on Twitter also talks about it. It says, as long as our country allows uh, the import uh, parity pricing, China will always be less expensive. Well, my point was that that um, the, the, the cost structure domestically is simply... It's either the cost structure domestically or the support that's been given to other industries importing into South Africa that is the problem. Uh, the import parity pricing thing, and I don't need to defend it because it's something that, that, uh, that the companies have followed, uh, they are willing to let go of that, and, and, and um, it, 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 it can be done. It's not, it's not impossible. We must just remember that we are actually, and I'm using other people's arguments now, we are part of this international community that are that are uh, determining prices all over. Um, and if you and we must remember, secondly, I think that is quite important, is that international trade prices are all distorted in one or other way or to lesser or more degree. And, uh, and you, you sit here with, a, with, a, with an abnormal situation, both domestically and internationally, where uh, the world has seen a 20-year uh, let me put it in this way: For 20 years, the Chinese economy has been a, a, a locomotive that were sucking in a lot of investment. That's the way they grew and, and created all the capacity that they had, but also, in other words, also creating demand for things like our iron ore, etc., and um, exporting to the rest of the world. Now it is it has grown to such a degree that uh, the distortions are are um, so perverse is the word that we use in economics that you you cannot sacrifice your your whole economy uh, on top of that. But I don't I don't intend to defend the uh, the import parity pricing. What I do know is that where in in, in Australia where they almost let go of their basic ferrous and and and, and uh, basic aluminium uh, industries, they are actually now at the front end of, of the brunt of, of prices increasing, being volatile, and the supply lines being uh, erratic, because you can imagine if a builder needs to, 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 to buy, say, reinforcing steel, I'm using a ludicrous example, wants to buy reinforcing steel, and he has to order that from China in time to be here, to complete his building, you can just imagine the the friction and and the delays, etc., that takes place there. But I mean, the, the 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 real answer is if you if you're exposed to only the international suppliers, you have exactly the same problem as you have domestically. I would I'm very tempted to use the example of Egypt. Egypt is expanding their steel sector threefold, their production capacity. They're going through a phase. All of us probably have seen the Suez, second Suez Canal that they built all infrastructure. They are uh, expanding dramatically their infrastructure spending for their people because they have a fast-growing population. They're building three plants that will quadruple their capacity. My question is the same. There, there is such a surplus supply in the world. What happens afterwards? And, and, and if you, when, when, when that, because investment cycles uh, inevitably slow down and eventually die down, and then you wait for 10 or 20 years, and then they start again. We have had such a cycle in the 80s in South Africa. We are in such a, 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 a cycle in terms of the uh, investment projects that we're busy with. 
it just seems as if this investment cycle is not benefiting the local industry that much. And and the the, the result is really that that these uh, companies are, are not making profits and will go under if they don't make any adjustments. Well, I just want to take Grant in Cape Town uh, quickly. Grant, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and your guest. Um, I just want to ask uh, your, your, your panel there um, to just talk a little bit more about uh, the uh, uh, intermediaries and, and how they work together as a value chain. Because it sounds like uh, all of these uh, parties that they're accusing of, of not exporting and so on are operating as islands. And I don't think that that is necessarily the, the, the case. So I'd very much just like to find out a bit more in terms of, you know, seek to understand before we judge um, uh, how these parties are working together and, and whether uh, governments are subsidizing key departments. Because I know in, the, in, in many sectors, such as in the nursing industry, uh, government is willing to, 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 to change certain labor laws just so that uh, a, a nursing can, can uh, uh, be a, a viable sector because it's struggling at this time. So I'm just uh, wanting to know a bit more about the intermediary. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, thank Goodbye. you so much, uh, Grant. Um, uh, Mr. Langenhoff, and tell you what, are we going to take a break? When we come back, I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. On the forum this morning, we ask, will the increase on import tariffs on steel save jobs in the steel industry? And we're in conversation with Henk Langenwerfen from CIFSA. And um, just uh, before you respond to Grant and um, also maybe touch on what Jackie was talking about, I just want to throw in uh, some of the messages that have come through. Uh, this one from TD uh, Nongayiyana, who says, Mweleti Mbeki is 100% correct about ArcelorMittal uh, ISCO inefficiencies over Jim is right. Uh, the Republic of South Africa's government, led by the ANC, must buy back ISCO. Uh, Eddie uh, Tuabala in Odendalsras agrees with that sentiment. And uh, Lithohonolo Aaron in Kimberley says, will Mr. Muleti Mbeki accept a post as Minister of Economic Affairs? Well, he's gone. We'll try and get him again some other time and we'll ask him that. Steer in Durban says, it won't work. Steel companies must shape up. Um, uh, we have companies that we need companies that will compete uh, in the market. They are blackmailing South Africa by saying uh, they must be protected. Steel companies in South Africa have priced and done as they please for the longest time, colluding like all big companies. And um, maybe let's park it there before I read more messages and give you an opportunity to respond. That's a mouthful. So, Kina, just to answer Grant, uh, we have actually done some analysis on how uh, how these uh, the, the groupings in the metals and engineering sector trade with each other. And maybe I should just, before I answer it, say that um, when I talk about the metals and engineering, we talk about plastics, rubber, basic ferrous, which is really the arsenal metals and the scores of this world, basic non-ferrous, which is aluminium, etc., and then metal products, machinery, and electrical machinery. So it's a whole, it's a, it's a 400,000 uh, people uh, uh, sector. It's, 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 it's in the order of 500 billion, the, 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 the size of production and, and value add to the economy in the order of 150 billion. We trade with each other about 40% of what we produce. So Oslo will buy from Kumbak, Oslo will buy from the machinery uh, uh, sector down the line which may may have used some of their steel so the motor industry buys from us and we buy from from them so it's it's a, there's a lot of interaction taking place 
uh, within uh, the sector. So it, it, it cannot be silos. Um, I, I just want to bring the international trade thing back here. What we find is uh, that the, the basic uh, metal uh, industries, uh, the Oslo's and, and, and the, the steel sector and, and the aluminium sector, and a little bit of the metal products, they are the only ones that are successful to export. And that's another argument against the, 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 the accusation that they're not, not effective because what is, uh, what is competitiveness if you, if, you, if you can compete internationally? The guys down the line are struggling more and they're more actually confronted by uh, imports and exports. To, um, and overall, our sector is now a negative contributor, so we are part of the problem of the, of the balance of payments. To say that... that Oslo metals will be t- must be taken. That ISCO must be t- must b- must come back, like mm-hmm. like Irvin said. I don't know what Oslo metals uh, capitalization is in South Africa, but it could easily be forty fifty billion. Um, that's the number that you have to come up with uh, instead of using it for schools or, or or something else where the state can can do something or for Madupi or uh, wherever you can apply it. So that's the sort of cost that you're talking about. I don't think the efficiencies that we see in, in, in some of the state-owned enterprises is anything that attracts me to say that this must be done by, by a state-owned enterprise. The mm-hmm. other thing that was mentioned earlier about manufacturing, and, and, and the caller was absolutely right about manufacturing, declining as a, each share of the, of the country's economy. But it, it has not declined. Uh, it has grown by something like 80% since 1994. Um, the economy has grown by about 100% since. So uh, other sectors in the economy just took a, a larger share. What has happened is that the, the uh, composition of the sector has shifted. Um, and unfortunately, the, the, if, if you look at it, the, 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 the more value-adding Parts of of the of the industries um, have suffered the most from from tariff reductions um, in in the early 90s, and 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 have been under under threat from from imports more. So the the, the composition now is much more slanted towards the basic ferrous, basic non-ferrous, and basic metal products than the more machinery and equipment, etc. We must remember that. In the sanction days, we had to build three power stations with as much as possible uh, made in South Africa products and steel. Uh, we, we built an arms industry. And I'm not saying all of these things must come back. I'm just stating we had an arm, arms industry that were massive, uh, literally mm. the classical military-industrial complex. We had a nuclear. We built uh, two small nuclear plants here at Palandaba. Um And we were, we were at the peak of the mining, the the previous commodities boom where we had massive investment in gold mining and iron ore and, and in uh, coal, uh, as well as a, a, a massive general government investment uh, peak in, in the early 70s. Um, and a lot of that has changed. So I agree with one of the callers that said this is a much bigger issue than just trying to put a tariff on uh, some of the imports and, and, and hope that that will solve the problem. It has been said several times yesterday mm-hmm. that uh, this will go some way, but it's not going to solve the longer-term issue. The, the, the structure of the economy is such that mining, the auto sector, and construction 
are absolutely vital for the metals and engineering sector to recover domestically. And then, I mean, everybody knows the, the uncertainties in mining. Autos are doing well because of exports, but domestic sales are down. And the construction sector, some companies are reporting 200% drops in their, in their profit margin. So we, we're sitting with a, with a whole group of very important components of the economy that are not doing that well. Uh, of which the metals part is just one and the tariffs to help that is just one portion of it. Would institutionalized anti-dumping measures help? It would. That has been discussed. It would. Um, To what degree? uh, We wouldn't know, but it it could. The problem is it takes time. So the the important two issues that, that have to be played off against one another is um, uh, companies are not making, making profits to such a degree that uh, some of them can't service their debts. And they are geared because uh, there has been some investments and they, and they are geared. So if you can't service your debt, that is like a snowball that's coming from behind that will simply run you over. So in the short term, there has to be some adjustment um, and, and pain to, to survive. And like our president said, we, 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 we're talking about a bloodbath of of, of job losses, mm. that means the other side of that coin is a bloodbath of companies going under. Well, Henk Langenwoven, unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to leave it this morning. A chief economist at the Steel and Engineering Industries Federation of Southern Africa. Clearly some problems there. Clearly something needs to be done. And if you have any uh, suggestions uh, with regard to solutions, we're always open to hearing them. Thank you so much uh, to the production team, Sisanda Jonas and Swaki Tru, also Miriam Mwate and Lebo Munamakulu, and uh, forum producers Ronald Piri and Jake Mukoma, senior producers Slengiwe Mabaso and Lungile Mabaso, technical producer Kanya Balani and our executive producers Aubrey Sachie and Krivani Pale. Back with you tomorrow.